if you are a syndicator, you need to be ahead of the curve using AI. If you're an investor, my belief is that you need to make sure that your syndicator <laughs> is leveraging the company in AI and technology because otherwise nobody's going to be able to compete with that syndicator. Because if we can do more with only five employees, we can make more money for you with the same amount of people that we have in the properties. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be joined by Vanessa Alfaro today. Today, you are going to learn about the artificial intelligence era that we find ourselves in today. You're also going to learn even more specifically about generative AI, generative artificial intelligence, and its application to real estate, specifically today, how you can open your mind to the possibilities of this leverage, of leveraging this exponential technology for your expansion, your growth, your hyper-efficiency, capturing tremendous opportunity in the future. This episode is so important and so eye-opening. I think you're gonna love it. You're also gonna learn about Vanessa's tremendous story and her background in terms of founding five seven-figure companies in three different countries and some of the patterns that she was able to apply to reach that level of success and how she's really applying those as she moves forward to continue to scale and live this amazing life of presence with her children. By the way, she's a mother of five. So anybody who tells you, oh, I don't have time for that. I can't you know, invest in real estate, I don't have time, or I can't do that. I can't travel the world or be a part of a high level mastermind with Tony Robbins himself directly because I don't have time. I have all these kids and I da 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 da. She is showing us what is possible and she continues to do so. So I just want to thank Vanessa for being a part of this podcast today. Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion and personal development for high performing real estate investors. By the way, your mind is going to be expanded tremendously today beyond the limits of where it was before. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and entrepreneur. It is my job to decode the stories, habits and multifaceted expertise of world class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I can tell you that the multifaceted expertise is absolutely coming to the surface today from Vanessa. I want to encourage you to pay the fee. The fee is to pay it forward. Share this episode with one person. I'm going to invite you to do that right now. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you so much for listening to Elevate Podcasts, giving us the opportunity to pour in your cup. And I also want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, please give us a rating, review, and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcasts on wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts. Very important to us. We love to hear your feedback. So please do that now if you haven't done so already. And without further ado, I want to dive in and introduce you to Vanessa Alfaro, who is an entrepreneur, an experienced real estate investor and multifamily syndicator who has recently profiled, she was recently profiled in the real estate book, 10 Paths, as one of the 10 most successful real estate investor stories. With an extensive background in finance, capital raising, team leadership, market analyzation, and underwriting assets, this is why she has become one of the top multifamily superstars. As the founder of MFA Capital Partners, a multifamily investment company dedicated to acquiring assets in emerging markets in the U.S., 
and providing her investors highly profitable opportunities. Her deep understanding of business, financials, and people is a perfect match to create what will now be her legacy to her five kids. She was born in Venezuela and she started as an entrepreneur at the age of 22. And you're going to hear more about that story today. She also co-founded a marketing agency that offered boutique services to clients. And this organization became, after only three years, one of the biggest BTL marketing companies in the country. And at that time, she was named one of the most successful and the youngest entrepreneurs with more than 2,500 employees under her supervision. She has the power to convert a hobby into a money-making machine. The PNA magazine said everything she touches becomes gold. After six years, the company expanded to Panama in Central America, where she resided for seven years and founded Octometro Panama. In 2009, she was named Woman of the Year by the magazine Social World, the biggest business and socialite magazine in Panama. In the U.S., Vanessa and her husband, Camilo, co-founded Autoproyecto. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pronounce this company. It's the number one Hispanic content provider and publishing company in the U.S. And in 2017, she moved from marketing, publishing and production to multifamily. And she's the founder of MFA Capital Partners. And you're going to love her story. I'm telling you right now, she is wonderful. She's unbelievable. She now lives in Beverly Hills, California with her husband and five kids. And buckle up because today's podcast is one for the books. Without further ado, please enjoy this phenomenal conversation with Vanessa Alfaro. Vanessa Alfaro, welcome to Elevate. How are you? I am so happy, grateful, and excited to be here with you, Taylor. I know. I, I was really, really excited to have met you just about a month ago in Utah at a conference. And I think we both have so much in common, you know, in some sense, you know, from a parenting perspective, you're a twin mom, I'm a twin <laughs> dad, but you've also got three others. So you've got so much on your plate in addition to being such a tremendously high performing individual, someone who's done so much in your life. So I'm super excited about this conversation to bring that to the listeners. While we familiarize you with Elevate Nation, why don't you talk a little bit about your upbringing and your backstory? Uh, well, my name is Vanessa Faro. Um, I was originally born in Venezuela. Um, I am an entrepreneur since I was 12 years old, I think. I'm the founder of five seven-figure companies in three different countries. Uh, and the last one is my Venus um, capital investment firm, which is a real estate investment firm that is focused on technology and innovation to provide investors the best opportunities. I've been here in the U.S. for about a decade already. Okay? And before here, I stay, I was in Panama City okay, for about seven years where I had another um, company as well. And then in my country in Venezuela, which I had my first company when I was um, 22 years old. Wow. So what was it that got you <laughs> propelled into being a, an entrepreneur at such a young age? Oh, wow. I think that my mom had a lot to do with that. When I was 12, I, I come from a background of a very, very humble family. I was born in a very small town. We were very poor, okay, if, if you can say that, but we were struggling. My mom struggled to pay bills. Um, I remember my mom counting the money like this is 
$2 to pay this and all that. And when I was 12, I just started to do things and sell things at school. And my mom helped me a lot. She like support me with every entrepreneurial idea that I had, even with a small amount of money, if I pay her back. So she was a teacher. She was not an entrepreneur, not my dad, but she helped me a lot with that. And then, um, life change. Okay. I went when I was 15, I was recruited as uh, for a modeling agency to do modeling. And um, I did that for five years. I never took a W2 job, except when I worked for McDonald's when I was 16. And that's because I had to pay for my modeling, three months of modeling course, blah, blah, blah. Um, I did that for many years. It was, I was not a success. I can tell it's just, it was a complete failure. Okay. Um, I went to beauty contests and I lost all of them. Okay. So <laughs> that was not my path. Uh, but at that point I was invited to go to Milan and then I was rejected to modeling and I was rejected because I was too short and I, I am five, nine. You're very so, tall. I'm like, wow. Yes. I was five nine. I'm still five nine, um, but I was too short and I was too old. I was 19. And at what point I was like, okay, I want to go back to my roots. I want to be an entrepreneur. Okay. And that's when I went to business school. I actually was in college for physics. I wanted to be an astrophysic. So I wanted to be a model and a physics. So I was intelligent model. But then after I was rejected, I decided I was going to be back to my roots of entrepreneur. I went to business school and at 22, I opened my first company, which was a marketing company in my, in my country. And that company in three years went to one employee to 2,500 employees. And what is interesting is that at that point, the country was had 12% um, inflation. Okay. It was, I don't know, 2000 something. Uh, we are right now in the U.S. for a 7 or 8% inflation. And when I left my country and I moved that same company to Panama, the inflation was about 42. Right now it's 256% inflation. Okay. So my point here is that right now we are in an inflationary okay, um, period in the United States and people is freaking out. I can tell you that I make money and a 12% and a 42%. I just not make money. I thrive in that country. And I think everybody can do it here as well. <laughs> Thank you for that, you know, reassurance, because I know that is a big topic on so many people's mind and, and a concern, right? Because, you know, obviously coming from Venezuela, you know, that is a, a prime example of sort of the downside of inflation. But I think you're showing us an example of even in those set of circumstances, you can thrive and create success. So talk to me about the decision to move the business to Panama. Inflation. Really? Inflation as well. well <laughs> but they were um, even experiencing was, high inflation there too, right? We were making a lot of money, okay? Uh, way more than what I ever imagined in my whole life. And I was 26, 27. But we couldn't get the money out of the country. I was not able to change my money to dollars. So the inflation was eating my, my money, okay? So we decided to expand the company to Panama because Panama is dollar space, Okay. So we wouldn't have that issue and it would be easy um, government-wise to bring money from Venezuela to Panama. So at that point, um, we moved, I moved to Panama okay, with my daughter. We opened the same marketing company, but it's very interesting because that was 2006 
And do you remember what happened in 2006, 2006, 2007? Yeah, it was close to the global financial crisis, right? You were at the peak. Yes, yes. But something else happened because at that point, I was in South America. What happened here in the United States, it kind of didn't affect me except for the fact that I had some investments here in the United States that went to hell. But <laughs> I'm sorry for the French. But um, in 2006, okay, it was the breakthrough of social media. Okay? It was in between 2004 uh, that Facebook came. So what happened is that at that point, when I moved the company to Panama, okay, we were again thinking, okay, what can we do in innovation? I has always very focused on innovation and technology, always. So at that point, we were like, okay, this is happening. This is going to be big. Okay, social media is a breakthrough that nobody's going to escape. So we were thinking, what's going to happen right now in business? And my marketing company shifted a strategy to being 50% of the company was dedicated to digital marketing. At that point, we were one of the biggest. In one year, that company went to seven-figure um, companies because we were the pioneers in digital uh, marketing in Central America. And, and in Panama, we were for the government. Uh, we opened the Twitter accounts for, for the president and for everybody in the government. We use it a lot for raising capital for, um, for nonprofits. I was very involved for, uh, with nonprofits at, at that point. And we were very interested to understand how we can leverage social media to raise money for good. Uh, I met Jack Dorsey at the beginning. He actually opened my Twitter account because I didn't have a Twitter account at that point. And he took my phone, a BlackBerry at that point, and he opened my Twitter account, which I still don't use. I, don't, <laughs> I still don't use Twitter. What an epic but, story. But we use it for a, for a, for good, okay? And we use it, to, we raise a lot of money for nonprofits and we made it for business. The reason I'm mentioning that is because I believe that right now we have a huge opportunity. We have another breakthrough with the technology that is available right now. So that's how we um, we leverage technology for the second company that I have. We actually had two companies there in Panama. Yeah. So I definitely want to get there because this has been a big topic of our individual conversations prior to leading to this podcast is really thinking about artificial intelligence and the wave that is really ahead of us or perhaps formulating to a certain degree, you know, today, right now. And, and uh, you know, we're joined by your your AI alongside us in this conversation, uh, which is also really, really exciting. But, you know, I want to before we get there, talk to me about Maybe why were you able to find such early success and rapid success as an entrepreneur? Was it just being willing to innovate and adapt and see these big waves ahead of time? Or what else would you say about the early success there? It's innovation and adapt. I, I completely agree with what you're saying because um, every time, and I mean, I've been done this five times with five companies, okay? And it's the same. I'm not reinventing the world. But I'm always thinking how to reinvent the world. Always. Okay. Because the truth is that if you do the same thing that everybody is doing, okay, how are you going to be different? How, how are you going to succeed? Okay. And at what level are you going to do that? 
So every time I am going to a new company, it's like I'm thinking in innovation, how we can do this different, how we can do this better. And I'm doing that right now with our company and with all the technology that we're going to talk about. I believe that if you're not ahead of the curve, your your company at one point is just going to be that because you can't compete. And that is true right now more than ever. So yes, I think that innovation is extremely important. So founding five different seven-figure companies in your history and obviously doing what you've done across several different countries, I mean, you've obviously exhibited success, right? Success leaves clues. And also it's not, it wasn't flash in the pan or, or luck. So there's other patterns. So innovation is one. What else would you say has been a key to that sort of track record of success in, as an entrepreneur? Well, um, I'm going to quote Tony Robbins here because um, I have always think about this, but he's very clear to talk about art of achievement. One of the things that the, the most important is desire. And I mean, if you don't have that desire on you that you think that you have to do it, you get to do it, you love it, you're not going to do anything because everything starts with hunger and desire. And then he talks about massive action. It doesn't matter how much, how knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how much desire you have, but that is nothing if you don't have massive action. So I think that I have drive my life through that. Um, even before knowing about Tony Robbins, innovation, desire, I have a huge desire in, in my life since I was 12 to do things, to learn. But my learning is my desire of growing is so magnified. Sometimes I feel it's, it's too much. Have you ever, have you ever seen Matrix? Yes, the Matrix, yes. yes. The Matrix. And you remember when they plug, okay, this thing in his head and they start like loading information. That's how I feel all the time, that I have to be loading information. And um, it is very important for me to disconnect because otherwise it's, it's too much. It's too much for you to be always learning and thinking. It's like my mind doesn't stop. But desire, massive action and innovation, I will say is the key for me. And, you know, with that desire to learn and that just, it's almost like the thirst that can never be quenched, right? To, to a large degree. And I've seen that from you early is that you just, you want to know what's next. You want to continue to grow. And I think that that's true for all human beings, but in many regards across society, you've seen that sort of be um, squashed to a certain degree. People's, you know, this curiosity, this innate curiosity that we all have, that we're all born with in many aspects, society, sort of suppresses that. And, you know, it's like, go in your box and do your thing. But now that you've continued to feed this, this thirst, right, of knowledge, of desire to learn, to grow, how do you actually balance that with a little bit of recovery and unplugging like you were just describing? <laughs> uh, well, interesting question. Uh, my kids help me a lot because when I am with them, I, even though my, my brain, I have to consciously shut down my brain and stop thinking. I want to be present with them. Okay. So I want to make sure. And sometimes I start thinking and they, they said to me, mom, look at my eyes and they are three. Okay. They're four. Look at my eyes. And that's when I, I go back to, I have to be present here because my mind does not stop. So that's, that's one thing that is, they, they bring me to balance. The other thing, like everybody talks about med meditation. For me, meditating is one of the hardest things to do. I have never been able 
to meditate in my life because, well, I mean, usually meditation, you go and you start thinking and you start imagining things, right? And well, I start imagining I'm already building and I start working and I start doing something. It's like, I can't meditate, but I found transcendental meditation and that definitely changed my life. It was the only time that I really, uh, the only way I can meditate is using that technique. And bringing back to a mantra so that you can focus on the mantra. Is that what you've expected or, or experienced? Right. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. So you go back to a mantra and that mantra is actually helping to empty your brain of any other thought. And even if you start going back on the side, you go back to the mantra. And that has been amazing for me. It's the only way that I can meditate. So it's yeah, it's bringing the brain back to a focused position. And you have so many things going on, so many ideas, so many desires, so many questions, so many you know things that you're anticipating. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, as a dynamic entrepreneur, you're thinking about all these things. So I can understand why perhaps a mindfulness meditation was a challenge for you. But when you found an opportunity to focus, you know there you find a little bit of calm and and recovery. Uh, through that experience. But, you know, the other thing that, you know, going back to this sort of the art of achievement that you were just sharing, the desire, the love, the hunger, the passion for what you're doing to be able to push through challenges and to be able to put yourself in position to take massive action. And as you go out there and continue to push forward. But one of the things that is, I believe, an outlier in terms of your story is that you've just experienced tremendous success. I mean, talking about the first company going from one to 2,500 employees, moving it from one country to another to, you know, navigate an inflationary environment, and then obviously continuing forward with several other organizations, there's obviously a pension to be able to navigate complexity that you've shown. What, what would you say about that? I mean, is it finding the right partners? Is it finding the right employees, the right talent? I mean, what are some of the components that have been give, have given you the opportunity opportunity or put you in position to be that level of scaled success across the board? Well, I, I hear a really um, amazing podcast okay, that you had with Dr. Benjamin Hardy, the author of um, Who Not How with Dad Sullivan. And they actually talk about that. And the whole concept of the book is how you can leverage and just be in your superpower state. And in the context of you can do the best with your time, okay, being in your superpower and leverage with other people, okay, or other employees and give the employees the autonomy to, uh, the autonomy to, to master what they can do the best. I think that I can, <laughs> that has been my mantra as well since, since I was 20. Um, I was also uh, a single mom, okay, my daughter was three years old when I started my first company. So, I, I don't have, I was just recently divorced uh, and I didn't have any options. So I have to surround myself with the best people that I had. And that being said, my company started with one person, but that person grew with me until he was the vice president of the company. He was amazing. And then from, from Venezuela, I moved some people with me to Panama. So yes, the, the who, okay, is extremely important. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna move ahead a little bit here. Talking about who, what is happening right now is that all these technologies, all these AI, all these generative AI is, is bringing such a, breakthrough and such a change in the way that we work. I believe that right now, AI is the ultimate who. AI is actually the right who 
for you and any other employee in your company if you want to make your company grow because they can have autonomy okay and innovation they can have more time it's just like what is happening right now okay is revolutionary and it's revolutionary is disrupting every industry that you are regardless what industry you are real estate if you're a doctor if you're a lawyer if you're an entrepreneur is disrupting every company and is creating that who that is able to help you to hyper growth your company in levels that it never happened before and you've described this to me as like we're in the ai era like today is the AI era, almost what you were just describing as 2006 or so was kind of the social media era. And obviously that revolutionized the way that companies interacted with each other in the digital marketing landscape. But what you're talking about right now is a disruption across all businesses. And so mm -hmm. you're saying we're entering an era of hyper growth and hyper disruption for entrepreneurs. And, and I would argue for investors and people who are wanting to leverage their own capital and, and opportunities and find opportunities throughout the landscape. It's, it's about anticipating and understanding. And so how, how are folks best leveraging this tool right now? Is it just really getting up to speed in terms of where things are? Or how are folks really leveraging the ultimate who today in artificial intelligence? Well, there are so many ways, but I think that uh, depending on, yes, you're right. We are entering in an AI era. And I think that this year, AI is going to be the most overused word as well. Okay. And everybody's going to buy a domain that ends with the AI. Okay? And now you will have to see if that's really AI or not, <laughs> because everybody can call themselves AI. But the reality is that artificial intelligence has been here for a long time. Artificial intelligence is really old. It's maybe more than 60 years old. But what is happening right now is that generative AI is coming into play, which means it's like generative AI is all this ChatGPT and all these deep, lear deep learning autoregressive technologies, okay, that started just like in maybe November last year. And but AI is really old. There is a lot of AI technology that we have been using, like Alexa, Siri, blah, blah, blah. The the way that generative AI works is that right now is not human-like intelligence, okay, but I believe it's very close to human-like intelligence. I believe that uh, right now some of the AIs are actually more intelligent than human in some level because uh, you can generate more content faster, faster and you can generate uh, you can work faster with the different AI technologies that you have, okay? And answering your question on how you can leverage this for yourself, okay? Um, imagine that you have five different systems. 100% of your time is now can be reduced to 50% of your time. Your company that has one, 10, or 100 employees, okay? Now leveraging AI, now those employees First of all, you will need to hire more employees to achieve 100% or 10x bigger returns for your company. Everything now is going to be completely exponential. Money is going to be completely exponential. Seven figures company is going to be nothing because now we're going to be talking about eight, nine, 10 figure companies because the way that we can exponentially 
growth, okay? It's incredibly faster with the same amount of people. The way that we can exponentially make money, okay, with the same amount of time is incredible. So we're talking about hyper, okay, hyper growth in any industry. And I can give you more detailed ideas if you want. Please. And I I just want to clarify, I mean, you're saying generative AI at this point is very close to human intelligence. And you're saying it's really not far off from really being there or even surpassing to a certain degree. But what you're saying is today, and it just really was introduced to a large degree from what I'm hearing from you in November of 2022 and where we are, you know, we're here at the end of March, I mean, beginning of April. And what you're saying is what this can do is it can generate better, more and faster output efficiency and allow us to step into exponential productivity and results, you know, from it, you know, an entrepreneurial perspective from a team thought process, you know, it's like replacing team members perhaps with this better or very close to human-like intelligence that's more efficient. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, uh, right now with, and with generative AI, you can, you're able to write legal contracts. You're able to write job descriptions. You're able to write, you're able to ask generative AI to create um, a book for you. I mean, like I have a five years, I know a five years old that is writing her own book with the help of chat GPT. So there is like the, the limitations are just, you, you can't, you can't even think about it. But this was just created in, in November. ChatGPT was just created in November. You're right. And, and the way that this is evolving is so fast that in six months, whatever I tell you right now will be obsolete. It's, it's changing so fast. So the way that we're moving in our firm, in our company right now is focusing in working with vendors and with technologies that are already partnering with OpenAI and and they are forward thinking and they are actually investing in AI technologies. It doesn't matter in six months because in six months they won't be obsolete. If they keep ahead of the the curve, they are not going to be obsolete. But what I think is that the companies that are not implementing AI any company, it doesn't matter, the, any company that is not implementing AI is going to disappear in five years. In five years, there are just going to be two types of companies. The one that are fully utilizing AI and the ones that doesn't exist anymore. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. So for people who are listening to this and saying, okay, I get that. I I'm, I'm on board. I want to be a part of this innovation and, you know, I don't want to be obsolete. 
And I also recognize that perhaps, you know, I need to align myself with others who I would not anticipate to become obsolete in the near future and, you know, so forth. How can they do it? How can they start to adopt this amazing technology today? What does it actually look like from a practical perspective? Right. If you are, for example, a, an entrepreneur, okay, and you are a solopreneur that you are starting your business, that can be a line changing for you because you're maybe one or two people. So things that you can do with generative AI are like starting from brainstorming, creating business plan. I mean, imagine you sitting in a room with five people are creating a strategy for your business product. You can do that with AI. You AI one person and it's just right there. It's done. Everything that you think before of going to maybe to another vendor and then I would take five days just to give you an example. I have my lawyer and I love her and I asked her for a document and just for the sake of understanding how would it work, this work, I asked her for the document. I told her what I need, exactly what I need on an email. And I gave her, please give me this document. She didn't come back with that document. And she, believe me, she have a lot of paradigms working with her in seven days. I put the same information in ChatGPT and ChatGPT gave me the legal document that I needed in 30 seconds. I waited seven days and I received the documents from my lawyer and it didn't have the most important bullet points that I asked her to have in my document. So at the end, my chat GPT created legal document was actually better than the one that I received from my lawyer. Yes. <laughs> so, and, and if you are a solopreneur and you want to create job descriptions, just a simple and I'm talking about a very, very, very basic level of generative AI. We can go way deeper than this, but very simple. You're a solopreneur and you want to hire people. You want to have a job description of the person that you want. You can do that with ChatGPT, just talking like a human. Hey, this is what I need. I want a rock star assistant that can do this, this, this for me. Give me a job description. And that creates the job description in 30 seconds, okay? And before, how much thought you have to put in that, okay? So some people think that um, generative AI is, you know, removing critical thinking. I don't think that is happening, okay? Because you still have to use your brain. You still have to tweak some things, but you're able to achieve things that in maybe 50% of the time that you were doing before. Um, emails. Ebooks. If you have idea of, of uh, creating your own book, you can put the idea there and ask you to break down that per chapters. And, and that's just a few things. I don't know if you know about Dolly, Mid Journey or Stable Diffusion, but now you can create um, images from text. You can tell what you want. Okay. And it's going to create an image in the way that, I mean, you can tell, give me a bang off of a panda eating an apple, okay? And it's going to create it for you and you just have to say that. So, and this is just the very basic, you can create presentations, PowerPoint is dead. It's completely dead. You can just write down in a document what the presentation is, click on an AI and it's going to put the presentation together for you. So what does it look like? How, how, what type of investment is required to leverage this unbelievable technology? And, and where do you, where do you go to find it? I mean, you just chat GPT.com. I mean, how, how do you find this and how do you leverage well, it? 
ChatGPT is for free right now for, for users. So you can go and create an account on ChatGPT. You can go and pay $20 as well and go to ChatGPT 4, okay, which is a great advance of ChatGPT 3. ChatGPT 3 used about 175 billion parameters, okay, in order to learn and in order to put the information there, okay, and answer what you're asking. But ChatGPT 4, People are saying that has 100 trillion parameters, okay, which they, they haven't confirmed that. But if that is true, ChatGPT4 is 500 times better than ChatGPT3, okay? So imagine what's going to happen when ChatGPT5 comes. But um, I think that ChatGPT is amazing, and I use ChatGPT sometimes because I don't want to burn my brain thinking about emails, for example. Okay. For me, creating the email that I send you, it was created by ChatGPT. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And it's a great email, by the way. It, it does not seem like a machine put that together. Yeah. Uh, I tweak a few things, but I mean, if we create emails for our investors, we can actually define what's the avatar, the avatar of the investor. Okay who our investor is and asked to create the same information to different type of investors. And it will come in 30 seconds, okay? Instead of us spending three hours, that's what I would take me, especially me that I have the language barrier to, to write an email, okay? So it has, it, it has been amazing. So let's... Uh, Let's, if you're, if you're okay with it, let's talk about application for real estate, because, you know, obviously we've been talking about this from really a purely business perspective, which obviously if you're going to be a real estate investor, you should be treating it like a business because you've got to build a team. You've got to execute on systems. You've got to anticipate challenges. You've got to be prepared to handle, you know, a myriad of different factors, whether you're one mm -hmm. individual or not, you've got to have a team around you. So, you know, mm -hmm. from a high level, we've been talking about this application for, business, you know, that obviously applies to real estate, but let's get even more specific, you know, so that we can open up sort of the creative thought process of how we can leverage this technology. Talk to me about application for real estate investors. If you are a syndicator, you need to be ahead of the curve using AI. If you're an investor, my belief is that you need to make sure that your syndicator is leveraging the company in AI and technology, because otherwise, nobody's going to be able to compete with that syndicator. Because if we can do more with only five employees, we can make more money for you with the same amount of people that we have in the properties. How we're going, to, how another company that is not leveraging that is going to compete instead of costs, instead of costs, uh, instead of returns. Okay. So as, an, as a real estate uh, investor, you need to make sure to understand how they're integrating AI into technologies because in five years, that's going to be a huge difference how much money you're making or how much money you're not making. But if you are um, a syndicator, there are many ways that you can leverage this technology. Uh, and let me give you a few examples that we're doing. Things that we're doing in our asset management team for example, and that's one of the most important things that departments that we're implementing is that we're using technology to remove the human time of the leases of the units, okay? So we have a technology that is going to take all the phone calls, 
all the text messages and all the emails from people that wants to rent our apartment, okay? And it's going to be able to communicate with that person until the person show up for a wheelchair tour or shops for a real tour, okay? And actually list the unit. That is saving about 15% of the time for our managers in each of the properties. And not also that, not only that, but it's converting 106% more of people than before. Because think about how much, how many times uh, someone will forget to contact with someone else. Okay. That is also removing a $500 that can cost you the answering service, that person that answers the service during the time that you are not working. And that technology works 24 seven. So it doesn't stop 24 seven. And then we're using the same technology for collections. Okay. So we're improving collections using that technology. So our manager is not knocking doors. You may have to do before or is doing, she's doing that less and she can focus their, her time in the things that are more important. Okay. We are actually training our managers on how to use chat GPT as well. So they can leverage their time better okay? and, and they can write faster or they can find the information that they need faster. Even to write something, a letter for a tenant, they can do that. We're using that as well for the financial okay, method that we, we have. I think that that technology is a little bit older than generative AI, but it's able to measure many of the KPIs that we have. Then for marketing is, is huge. Okay. One of the biggest uses for of generative AI is for marketing. Okay. So everything that you can think about marketing, you can do it with generative AI, uh, social media, social media posts, calendars, ebooks, everything. Okay. Now my, my concern with that is that how, how, how much people now is going to start reading. Okay. Uh, your ebooks, if you can actually yourself go to ChatGPT and say, Hey, ChatGPT, give me the 10 more important things that I should be worried when I'm investing, investing in real estate. Okay. And it's going to be there. Okay. 10. And it's not going to be given by someone that has an ebook. Okay. That put that information It's going to be based on 100, 200 billion, trillion parameters. My concern in that is like how much content you're going to create and really how much of that content now people is going to read if they have uh, the access to go to chat GPT. And you would, you would expect that there's going to be a wave of so much new information and new eBooks, you know, for that example. And perhaps because of that, there's so much more supply and perhaps the demand maybe stays at the same level in terms of that type of consumption. So perhaps the, you know, the consumption rate just drops, you know, precipitously perhaps. I, I believe that's that's going to happen, and and the last uh, the last the also the 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 other department that we are using uh, AI is for customer service. Okay, so people has been using AI in general for sales for many years. Okay, uh, through text or emails, but right now for customer service, they have some technologies that are connected with Open AI. And by the way, everything that we implement right now. Every CRM, we're moving CRMs right now. Every technology that we have, it needs to have, needs to be connected with open AI. 
because they are the source of all this technology and they are the ones that had the funding for this. So we're moving uh, to a new CRM and they are already partnering with, with open AI. So we don't, we, at one point, we won't have to use chat GPT because it's, it's integrated in our CRM. Okay. So for customer service, for investor relations, um, I believe that for investor relations, it's going to be the most difficult part to integrate um, AI. People values, okay, human interaction, and it's, it's very valuable. Now, it's going to still be important for an investor to talk to someone. And how far do we think? Do you think we are for just having uh, Vanessa or Tyler just as an AI, okay? Uh, without you actually being there, okay? How far do you think we are for having Tyler talking about X, Y, and C, but you are not recording anything? It's just your avatar AI and someone else plugging information or not even that, an AI understanding all the data that you have and plugging the information yourself. How far do you think we are from there? I mean, I would love to know from you. I mean, if I had to guess... It's got to be at least five years away. I don't know. That's just a total ballpark. Yeah. Well, the technology is already here and you can do it. You can go, uh, you can go to uh, some AI websites. You can have this video that you have right there. Okay. And then someone else would plug the information and you will be talking to investors, give the presentations and you are not going to be there. Your time for recording is, is time free for you, for your family, for doing what you want. In five years, what is what is going to be more expensive is actually going to be your time. AI is going to help to, is, is helping to have more time and is helping to create a more expensive time. Your time is going to be super expensive at that point because if you can talk to an AI, why would you be in that camera? Yeah. And I want to talk about, you know, some specifics around that as well. But before before I get there, I just wanted to follow up on one thing that you mentioned. You you basically said like any service that you're working with, you know, whether it's a CRM or otherwise, it needs to be connected to open AI. I was actually going to ask this a little bit earlier. You know, who's behind the development of this and what does that actually look like? Just so we, we can understand a little bit beneath the hood, so to speak. Well, um, Alan Moss was related with that. Okay. The CEO of um, OpenAI, his name is Sam, um, and I I lost his last name. But um, there is a lot of people involved in that. Uh, Microsoft just plugged millions of dollars in generative AI. Uh, Google is super scared about searching because the search is practically dead. Okay. And nobody, nobody ever, ever, ever think that Google was going to have a competition. And now it's here because you don't need to search. You just need to go to, to um, ChatGPT. I know that Elon Musk um, has been talking about AI. And he was very concerned of the use of the technology for good. Uh, and he pulled back of that um, for an open AI because he's still concerned of how is this going to be open to the public or is going to be open to humanity or is this going to be controlled by corporations? Because if you start thinking about the future, this is, you can, this is mind blowing. Okay. What you can see. But um, he actually mentioned that he believed that human like technology, human like AI 
will be here by 2025? I don't think so. Okay, I think we're still a little bit farther than that. By Raymond Kuzgo, which is a huge um, scientist, okay, author, and he's a, a computer uh, scientist in the U in the U.S. and a futurist. He believes that human-like AI will be here by 2029. And that's what I agree. Which means basically like it it looks like a human. It seems like a human, but it's artificial intelligence. In other words. Yes. And it's thinking like a human. Okay. And the concern is, of course, that that will be, uh, will have their own mind. Okay. And at one point it will be more intelligent that also can control X, Y, and C. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of what you just described, especially for real estate is a lot of upside, a lot of tremendous leverage for investors to be able to do very complicated things at a higher Mm -hmm. rate of efficiency and an exponential capacity, do more with less and live a greater lifestyle in many aspects, perhaps demand a higher value. Obviously there's some adaptation that needs to be engaged in, in terms of a human being's capacity to innovate within that type of environment. And perhaps that's, you know, a topic for our next discussion, but what are your concerns for, you know, this, this future? Uh, There is a lot of concerns and that will be like another full hour. And on a different podcast, there is concerns on terms of copywriting. There is concern about this technology going the wrong way and starting to say things are things by themselves, okay, in a higher human um, capacity. But right now, talking about where we are right now and not going too far, uh, the biggest concern is the quality of the content that is created, for example. Uh, because and and also the fact that ChatGPT or AI is going to go uh, for your job and and there are going to be a lot of people that is going to be out of job. I don't think that's going to happen if you integrate AI because as a designer, okay, before you will take three days to make a logo, you can now use an AI and create a logo in thirty seconds, okay. But then you can do some tricks. Then whatever took you three days for a client, it can take you two hours and great have a great brand book for your client. So if you adapt, I don't think that people is getting out of their job. Okay. It's just like that's going to the beginning. It's just exponentially hyper-growing your business because now you can make more money. I still don't want to be a designer, even if I have the technology there to create my logo. I don't want to be a designer. I'd rather to have someone else, but come back to me with what I need in one day, in 24 hours, not in seven days, like the story with my lawyer, for example, right? So I don't think that people is going to be laid off jobs. I think there are going to be less jobs available because now my company can go 10X with the same people that I have right now. And anytime you have a massive disruption like this, it's not like an elimination, but it is an adaptation and a change, right? Human Mm -hmm. beings, we have to be prepared to evolve. And I feel like what is true for today and moving forward for the rest of humanity is you've just got to be prepared for continuous change and disruption. And as long as you can continue to evolve within that, leverage the good things and not dwell on, oh my gosh, these are all very, you know, hyper challenges, right? You know, at one point in time, there were things that we take for granted today as second nature that was like completely disruptive of society and very concerning in many regards. And we've continued to propel forward and right. And, and the lifestyle today is so much better as a result. So I think that there's so much 
positivity that we can look at in terms of leveraging this amazing exponential technology. Right. right. And and AI is not only for business. Um, this technology is going to be able to affect longevity into people. Okay. We're talking about way many other things than business. So the projection is that the technology that has been created is going to be able to extend the life of people to 150 years. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And so, it's, you know, you're almost like you're opening the the kimono, so to speak, on all of these other possibilities, right? It is incredibly huge. And uh, there has been studies about how AI has been able to diagnose uh, in, you know, in the doc, uh, healthcare industry to diagnose 84% faster and more accurate okay, issues in the human being that, than doctors. This is affecting, and I think we're going to have a bright future. People sometimes get scared for this technology, and I under- completely understand that, but we have. And this can also be a shiny object. That's what I say to people. It can be a shiny object. You can be playing with all these technologies, playing with Dolly, mid-journey, creating things that is actually not doing anything for you. So if that is not your business, okay, I would say stay away. I mean, learn, have the information, but you can spend days just playing with all these technologies because every day there are at least 50 new AI technologies out there every day, okay? So it's very hard to keep up with that. Um, in my company, we have an AI um, channel. Every time someone finds something that can be used for us, uh, we have an AI for underwriting as well that we're testing and is able to intelligent analyze renrolls T12. So it's removing 50% of our analyst time. So this can be very shiny. So just make sure that you're using the ones that you need to use for your business and delegate the other ones to your team. If you're not a designer, don't start playing with that because I mean, you're going to spend all your time on all these things. I love that. And my, my mind is just opening to so many other possibilities within real estate. It's like managing a transaction, managing due diligence, um, you know, all of these different factors, all the different day-to-day things that we all interact with to capture the beautiful opportunities that we all love within real estate. And the other thing, just two sort of final comments before we transition to the rapid fire section of the podcast is the only constant in life is change. And so how are we interacting with that? The other thing too, you know, this is exciting because one of the biggest factors towards continued economic expansion, because a lot of people are concerned about where we are in the market cycle. The biggest factor in human history for continued economic expansion all really comes down to human innovation. And this is another factor that obviously perhaps now will gain a life of its own. It will start to innovate without human involvement in many aspects. But I think it's amazing to think about the possibilities from an economic perspective, not only just leveraging the tool, but just thinking about how this really compounds in society. So those are a couple of comments. I'd love to invite you to talk about those things the next time we get together, Vanessa. But (laughs) until that next time, I got to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast, which is called the rare air questionnaire. And of course, you know, in many aspects, understanding what we've talked about today is somewhat rare, but I think at some point, you know, in the near future, it's not going to be rare because people are going to have to wake up to the reality of what we've been talking about today. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just going to be everywhere. So uh, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years to continue to invest in your own learning, what would those be and why? 
okay, business wise, oh, I have so many. Um, business wise, I would say traction has been very good for me. Okay, uh, traction, who not how has been great. Um, I really love this small book that I read. Oh my god, what 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 would the Rockefellers do? What would the Rockefellers do? Uh, it's very interesting and it's about generational wealth. Those three, oh my God, if you are parenting, you are a parent. I love Dr. Shefali. You have to read this book. Her last book is The Parenting Map. Okay. And her approach to parenting is so incredibly beautiful of how you can be a parent and actually make sure that you're treating your kid as who they are and know who you want them to be. The Parenting Map by Dr. Shefali. Okay. And my last one, can I give you one more? It's one of my favorite books ever, ever, ever in history. I read it when I was 17 and I still read it today. It's called 100 Years of Solitude. That is a Colombian author. Okay. He He got the Nobel Prize for this novel. And it's a novel... And what I like about that is that it's a novel that can actually disconnect me. When we talk about the matrix, it's a way for disconnecting me because otherwise I'm just filling my brain with information. When I read all these books, it's just learning. But this is an only way that you can actually disconnect and, and feel that he is one of the biggest okay, author and the most important in literature in history. He has been translated to 50 uh, different languages and that novel can actually make you feel human. It's like about feeling and being just right there. It's just incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm excited to pick that one up myself. We'll put links in the show notes as where the listeners can find all of those books. So thank you for sharing that, Vanessa. Vanessa, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Um, well, I try to do the transcendental meditation when I can. Okay, uh, I would love to say that I do it every day and I wake up at five, but hey, I have five kids. And if my kids are sick, okay, my whole plan is over. <laughs> so, um, so I do that. The trust in Delta meditation is very important exercise and playing with my kids. Thank you for the reminder, you know, throughout this conversation to be present with our kids, even if we're doing big things and we're trying to understand exponential technology, leverage exponential technology and do amazing things, continue to adapt and innovate. Be present with your kids, be present with your family, still do the things that are most important. So I appreciate those reminders throughout this conversation. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Lately, what I have been doing that I love with my family is using this yoga love technique. I don't know if you heard about this before. It's, it's actually called yoga love. And it's a type of yoga when you laugh. And it's so interesting because as you grow up, if you see that kids, how, how many times kids laugh and how many times you laugh. We remove that, like we lose that with time. And I started doing that with my family, the yoga laugh. It's just one breathing and laughing and technique to laugh. And it has been great. And I I would love my kids to grow up doing that. So, and see if they don't forget that laughing, it's important. 
Wow. What a great reminder too. you know, don't think, don't take life too seriously. And, you know, at the end of the day, some things are really, really simple and laughter can, you know, obviously create such a, a lasting impression on others around you. But Vanessa, I want to acknowledge you uh, for, for so many things. I mean, first of all, experiencing and showing the way of early success, tremendous success, you know, without all of this exponential technology early on in your life, you know, doing that across multiple different countries. I mean, throughout the world, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It's unbelievable, but your commitment to continuing to challenge the ordinary in exchange for the extraordinary and leveraging this tremendous wave that we're looking at today and this disruptor in generative AI. I mean, it's, it's really, really remarkable. And the minute I met you, you know, you were so passionate, not only about this technology, but what's possible on the horizon. So it's just infectious. And I just wanted to acknowledge you. I wanted to show you my love and appreciation, but do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? Well, um, I am a very good fan of Tony Robbins. Uh, I'm, I'm completely fan of, of coaching in general. I think that learning, I just not only outer learning, I have people around me that is always helping me to learn more. So Tony Robbins also talks about financial freedom, talks about time freedom and geographical freedom. Okay. And I think from all the freedoms that he always talking about, those three for me are the most important. And I feel that we are so close right now to achieve those three freedoms with this technology. That is just very exciting. You can work from whatever where always you can do that. But now more than ever, we can have the time, okay, more time, even being more successful. And you can have financial freedom because now you can hyper growth. So I'm very excited about that. I am too. I feel like uh, you've made it so much more clear today and uh, there's so much possibility on the horizon. Vanessa, I just want to thank you again for taking time to be on Elevate Podcast. Tell the listeners where they can learn more about you, your company and what you do. Sure. Um, so my website, venuspartners.com. Uh, I am created a one page, uh, actually two pages document with AI information for entrepreneurs okay, that you can go to my website and sign up on my, on my newsletter. Okay. On my VIG group. And then we can send it to you. Okay. Uh, as I said, it could be that it's obsolete in six months. So, uh, just <laughs> right now <laughs> before it's too late. Um, but yes, it's just in general to help entrepreneurs and, and VC individuals to manage their time with some AIs that are there. I'm sure you're going to be updating that within six, uh, six months. Maybe three months. <laughs> I was going to say. So we'll put a link in the show notes as to where the listeners can find you there and appreciate you plugging that. But Vanessa, until next time, thanks again for being on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I have such a fine time talking to you. Elevate Nation, is your mind blown like mine is? And and uh, there's just so much to be said about what is on the horizon. So many of the opportunities that are coming and that have already come. And so I hope that you found tremendous value in gaining more awareness of this exponential technology and artificial intelligence that is available to us today and increasingly available to us in the near future in so many aspects. So my mind is open for the possibilities of how this can be applied as an investor, as a business owner, and as someone who's embracing continued change. But I'd like to ask is yours as well. And what 
did you take away from this episode? What are your top one, two, or three distinctions or takeaways? I want to encourage you to jot those down, share those with a friend, and have a discussion about what you're seeing. How are you going to evolve? How are you going to adapt? How are you going to apply and leverage this exponential opportunity to grow and to create new value and uh, to create new opportunities in your life and also to be more present with the people that you care about as you continue to grow. I think it's exciting. I can understand why people see some concerns on the horizon and we should obviously not put our heads in the sand, uh, but I wanna encourage you to look at this for the positive that it can be and understand the negatives and perhaps position yourself so that you can protect yourself from any of those negatives as we move forward. We are going to continue to explore these type of discussions on Elevate as we move forward. And we'll probably bring Vanessa back again in the near future to dive even deeper on some of these concepts, because in some aspects, this was a little bit of an introductory conversation on artificial intelligence. And so as we continue forward, we'll go even deeper so that I can bring you the best value on this topic and so many others. But of course, this topic is one of the most important that we can consider as we move forward into this new landscape, this new economy, this new world that is really forming before our eyes and has already formed in many aspects. So I want to encourage you to identify those distinctions and take massive action. That's the most important thing. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.